know that I will ever get used to, you know, looking at the TV and seeing the footage of people around the world wearing masks and even going out in public wearing masks. I spent a couple hours last night sewing masks for people I care about. But, you know, the threat of contracting uh, COVID-19 can make getting outdoors a bit scary these days, especially if you can't find you know, a green space to go to because uh, the uh, province and uh, the cities have started to close down parks. But it's going to be a good weekend this weekend weather-wise. So a lot of people are going to be itching to get out. Kevin Coombs joins us right now. He is from the University of Manitoba. He's a microbiologist. Kevin, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for asking me. A lot of people are concerned about COVID-19 and contracting it. What what are the odds of getting the virus, you know, when you're out walking on a sidewalk? Because sometimes social distancing is hard to do when you're passing people on the sidewalk. Right. So that's a, that's a simple question. But actually, the, the answer is going to be a little bit complicated because the, the chances of getting infected from someone who happens to be infected are directly related to how close you come to them and how much time you spend very close to them. So most of the issues are that if you're passing someone and you're spending just literally seconds within about six feet of them, the chances of getting infected are extremely low. Uh, I won't say they're nothing, but they are extremely low. The, the biggest concern is if you are next to somebody less than six feet and you're spending considerable time talking to each other and breathing on each other because that's, that's when microorganisms like COVID or flu or any of the others that are respiratory can be transmitted. So it really comes down to not only how close you are, but how much time you spend with each other. So if you're passing somebody on a sidewalk, you know, that that can be done in one or two seconds. I guess you have to be seriously unlucky and be coughed on in order to to really up your odds. Right. And you'd have to be coughed on or sneezed on by someone who is infected. Because obviously, if, if it's someone who's not infected, then at least if they're not infected with COVID, even if they cough on you, nothing will happen. So they have to be infected. I understand uh, from the reading I've been doing, because I've been doing a lot of reading like everybody else on COVID lately, that you're better off if you are outside with someone with COVID than inside a closed space with someone with COVID. Do the, do the chances like change of uh, contracting it if it's windy out? They probably do, because the whole issue, the virus, although it's incredibly small, is a particle. And so it can be blown around. And so you, you, again, would have to be very unlucky if someone far away coughed or sneezed and the wind blew the virus to you before it died. But the bigger chances are that the wind is going to disperse all the aerosols that we're all constantly breathing in and out. So, yes, if it's windy, it's actually probably safer. I've spoken to someone about uh, humidity in our houses and how they think that uh, COVID doesn't do so well during humid conditions. Would that be the same uh, situation outside? You know, when the weather changes, does our risk go up and down of contracting something like a coronavirus? So that's an interesting question. And I'm not sure that we actually know the answer yet as to what effect humidity has. 
I'm aware that there are a few studies that have looked at it, but most of those are actually anecdotal. So, so the jury is still out as to whether humidity really does play a role or not. Everybody's looking for exercise, ways to uh, help out themselves physically, get some uh, fun time in with the kids, uh, help your mental health. And so people have pulled out the bikes. I want to talk about biking and jogging for a second, if we could, because I understand that um, there were reports of exhaled droplets that people, uh, you know, might breathe out because you're breathing heavily while they're exercising, running, cycling that are causing concern possibility of biking through a cloud of infectious particles is on everybody's minds now after that report. So are you advocating for um, people to, uh, you know, stay out of the trail of other bikers or runners or wear masks? What do you say in that situation? Okay, so another simple question, but again, it, it gets kind of complicated. I mean, the whole issue with masks is, and the jury is still out on that also, despite, you know, the change that the public health offices have set. So masks are beneficial for people when it's the infected person who's wearing the mask. Someone who's not infected gains essentially no benefit from a mask, at least the types of masks that we people can normally get. For one reason, uh, when you look at people who are wearing masks, most of them are not professionally fitted. So while they're covering the nose and the mouth, there are actually huge gaps on the side of the mask. And so when people are breathing through the mask, of course, most of the air that we're going to breathe in is going to mm -hmm. come in the path of least resistance. So, you know, the masks certainly do help, but I, I'm concerned that they give a a greater false sense of security. So coming back to the question about biking, yes, people who are exercising, of course, are going to be breathing more heavily. But, you know, it, it's maybe two to three times more heavily. And so, yes, that increases the chances two to three times that they're going to exhale something. But again, two to three times almost nothing is still almost nothing. So again, runners and bicyclists, instead of spending one or two seconds in your vicinity because they're going faster, would actually be spending less time. So in, in a way, it almost averages out. That is Earlier less on, time, more breath, more breath compared to more time, fewer breath. Right. Earlier on in the show, and I want to touch on this with you because you're a microbiologist, we had on a guest that uh, he he is uh, he studies the health of our waterways, uh, specifically Lake Ontario here. And he was saying that we should, in order to be able to find out how widespread coronavirus is, we should start uh, testing our sewage. Where do you sit on that? Part of that is going to depend on the type of testing that's done. Uh, the most rapid tests, and, and many people will probably heard of things like PCR or RPCR, which is how we measure the genomes of different organisms. That just tells us that the genome was present, but it doesn't tell us anything about whether that genome is still infectious or not. Mm -hmm. And chances are, by the time any genome ends up in our waterways, it's 
the organism itself has been inactivated. So it would give a measure of of what the so-called load used to be, but it really doesn't tell us too much about what the current danger is. Right. And I think that's what he was looking at. He was looking at the, uh, you know, just trying to find out exactly where that virus was present, because there's a lot of places where they feel they haven't had any tests positive. But if you went into the sewage plant, tested it, found the virus, um, obviously someone has expelled that virus and someone that would be in the area that would need uh, to access that, you know, sewage plant directly.